Hi, this is Keith Payne at CBD Perform and welcome to the CBD Perform podcast. Now in this podcast series, um, we will be discussing everything CBD from the history of CBD and how CBD can support people for um, you know, some of the main conditions and ailments that they potentially have, which is things like um, stress and anxiety, um, sleeping disorders and improving sleep quality, and also pain and using CBD as an analgesic potentially as well. So there's many benefits and we're going to be discussing the pros and cons and whether it can potentially work or not work and really be as educational and informative as we can. Now, um, if you want to find out more information about the CBD Perform products and the range of products that we supply, which covers edibles, it covers CDB, uh, CBD oils, CBD cosmetics, CBD topicals, creams and rubs, please visit the website, which is www.cbdperform.co.uk. That's www.cbdperform.co.uk. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy the CBD podcast series. Um, and without further ado, we're going to get straight into it. So I hope you enjoyed today's session and thank you for tuning in and please enjoy. Hi, this is Keith Payne at CBD Perform um, and this is a CBD Perform vlog and today we're going to be looking at a really interesting um, area which is just looking at the um, how cannabinoids help pain generally. Um, so the first part of the module we're going to be looking at is the actual physiology of pain. Um, which is a really interesting area to look at. So we're going to be looking out, um, looking about you know, sort of all areas of pain, the mechanics of the sensation. We'll then take a look at how cannabinoids are used to manage a pain um, and understanding just why the use of cannabis for pain management is, is so popular. Because um, recreational cannabis use in the UK is illegal, when it comes to harnessing therapeutic cannabinoids for managing pain, we're going to look at how we can use CBD oil for the purposes um, in, in, you know, in fairly in-depth detail. Unpleasant though it is, pain serves as an important purpose. It tries to protect us from further damaging um, parts of our body by heralding the presence of some sort of damage or injury. Our body um, is served by nociceptors, um, which is free nerve endings which act as receptors for pain. Um, they're present through the body but are notably absent in the brain itself. Nociceptors can be triggered by mechanical stimulation like an injury, um, chemical stimuli um, and also by intense thermal stimulation. And when tissues are damaged, the immune system rapidly triggers the release of substances such as um, prostaglandins and kinins, which also serve to trigger nocice receptors as well. Now, when we look at the different types of pain, there are in fact two distinct types of pain, fast pain and also slow pain. Um, we perceive or feel fast pain very quickly, very rapidly. Within 0.1 seconds of offending stimulus, we feel the sensation of pain itself. Um, the rapid perception occurs because the messages relating to the fast pain travel down the super speedy um, myelinated, otherwise known as insulated A delta fibres um, in our body. Fast pain is also referred to as sharp prickling um, or like just like a really acute pain and it's a type of pain which results from like a knife cut to the skin or a pinprick or needle puncture where you feel it pretty much immediately. Tissues um, deeper within the body, they don't elicit um, fast pain. Only those superficial layers, the skin and associated structures beneath, um, you would feel that fast um, pain. 
Um, slow pain takes a lot longer to make itself known. Um, a second or more may pass after the offending stimuli before we perceive the actual pain itself. And I'm sure you've all experienced that before at some point um, in your life. The pain also typically builds in intensity over a few seconds. So you might feel it initially and then it'll build up and suddenly realise, you know, it's pretty serious. I mean, I know myself, you know, I've been a um, keen sportsman all my days. Um, I've broken legs, I've broken arms, broken noses, you know, various injuries, ligaments and things. So, you know, you understand that there's a difference between that immediate pain on the outside and the stuff that builds up on the inside, the slow pain. The messages about slow pain take longer to transmit because they travel across unmyelinated C fibres. Slow pain is also known as chronic throbbing, aching or burning pain. And intensity of this type of pain can be very, very extreme. Um, both the skin and the deeper tissues can experience um, slow pain. What One of the prime examples that most people can relate to is actual toothache, which you can appreciate as both that chronic and um, throbbing nature. It can be really nasty um, if you get it and it can go on for a long time. That, you know, just the constant throbbing um, and the, the sort of deep internal pain. Um, one stimulus can produce both types of pain though. Um, when you stub your toe on a piece of furniture, you may get that rapid, sharp, fast pain experience followed by a more chronic, aching, long-lasting, slow pain um, response, especially if you've done some serious damage to your toe, like if you broke it. And again, that's something I've done in the past as well, so I can totally really relate to that myself. Um, when pain originates from the skin, it's known as superficial somatic pain. When pain originates from muscle, muscles, connective tissues, tendons, ligaments or joints, it's known as deep somatic pain. And pain originating from the nerves is known as neuropathic pain. Just bear with me two seconds. Um, I'm just going to get a quick drink of coffee. Just to keep me going. Um, now, um, looking at pain originating in our organs, um, that's known as visceral pain. Interestingly, not all stimuli cause pain in our visceral organs though they would cause uh, somatic pain. For example, though cutting the skin or a tendon with a surgical knife would cause intense pain, you can slice an intestine with a surgical knife and it will elicit almost no pain at all. Instead, pain within the visceral organs um, occurs when they're stretched, which is like distended, they're in spasm, um, or when they're deprived of blood and therefore um, oxygen. This triggers visceral pain and it's a pain which can be really, really excruciating for those who um, have had the misfortune to suffer from it. Um, at the very least, most of us experience visceral pain caused by the trigger, triggering of nociceptors in the digestive tract when we've got like trapped wind. And this phenomena alone can be really painful as the intestines become quite distended. Um, Look at areas like sort of pain localization, but when we experience fast pain, it usually pinpoints pretty effectively where the stimulus itself was. But um, if it was a nail puncturing the foot or a pin pricking the thumb, we're pretty sure when we've been hurt, um, we know generally exactly where it is. Slow pain also generates points to the general area that's been affected, though not as precisely. But in the case of visceral pain, um, where we experience pain, isn't always. Um, it isn't always where the, the actual issue is within the body itself. Referred pain is the name of this phenomena, um, and we're not quite sure um, where, where the pain is located. Most of us know of at least one example of repaired, uh, referred pain. That's the pain felt in the arm during um, a heart attack. So, you know, the, the issue will be here, but the body will be feeling pain um, in the arm. When referred pain occurs in a completely different area of the body, there is generally a logical nervous link. For example, both areas are usually served by the same section of the spinal cord. Um, sometimes the referred pain doesn't travel too far though, 
Rather, it's experienced in the skin and the um, musculature um, that lies above the actual affected organ itself. Facet fa you know, I think it's quite fascinating that we can even experience pain um, in a limb that no longer exists. So, for instance, a missing limb, um, phantom limb sensations um, such as pain, um, tickling, itching may occur because the cerebral cortex gets confused by nerve impulses coming in from sensory neurons um, which had previously served the missing limb. Um, or within the brain, um, those neurons which used to receive input from um, limb, um, they remain active and so they tell you, in inverted commas, um, that these sensations are occurring when they actually aren't, um, which is you know hugely, hugely interesting. Now, looking at a really interesting area when we start to talk about CBD's analgesia um, and actually killing the pain, um, most of us have had a need at some point in our lives for painkillers in our life and for some even form part of our daily routine. If our nociceptors keep on sending their signals to the brain, um, we keep on feeling that pain. Um, at the moment, um, I've actually had an issue with my knee that's um, due to many years of playing football, which has caught up with me. I've got some arthritis in my knee, and I've been taking um, some naproxen from the doctor just to help to, to, to kill the pain while the issue settles down a little bit. So, you know, even at the moment, you know, I've got direct experience of that just now. So, we, we know in the early stages of an injury or an infection, that information um, can be useful. It encourages us to stop moving around, um, it will make us rest, um, thereby limiting further damage and encouraging um, that healing process. Um, even just in the last week, as I mentioned, you know, I've been in a fair bit of pain, I've had to slow down a lot and just let my body recover. And the older you get, sadly, it takes a little bit longer, but um, yeah, it's just the joys. And um, I wear my battle scars um, with, pride, with pride at the moment from um, my many years of playing sport. Um, but sometimes um, pain continues beyond um, that initial stage when it's actually physically safe to be up and about without fear of further damage. Or sometimes we experience pain and it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to stop moving and rest. Um, for a, for, you know, just to give you an example, if you've got a headache or if you've got a toothache, in, in those specific circumstances, we may be prescribed painkillers, um, which is called analgesics by a doctor, or we may use an off-the-shelf analgesic such as paracetamol or aspirin that you can um, buy yourself. Now, um, different analgesics work in different ways. Some, such as aspirin, work to inhibit the formation of those chemicals which trigger the nociceptors, um, such as kinins and prostaglandins as well. Meanwhile, stronger analgesics such as um, Novocaine, they actually block the transmission of nerve impulses along the pain fibres. The opiate drugs, for example, morphine being the best known example, they offer superb analgesia because they alter pain perception within the actual brain itself. Though the brain still receives input about the pain, it doesn't interpret it in the same sort of way, so we don't feel it as an intense pain anymore. Um, in this module, and um, what we're discussing just now, we're going to see how the constituents in cannabis provide um, their known analgesia. I'm just going to pop my phone off a second on the silent because I just noticed that it was on there so that we don't get disturbed. Um, now, just moving on to looking at the endocannabinoid system itself in pain, which you know we've discussed in previous modules about the endocannabinoid system um, and how it relates to pain. In response to a tissue injury or some sort of potentially negative change to the tissue, such as a distension in a visceral organ, um, usually in that local area, endocannabinoids are synthesised and act locally to help send the signals to the brain, which tell the brain that there's actually something wrong. Um, the endocannabinoid system then keeps an eye on the situation 
Um, and it just sort of monitors how the tissues are actually doing, if, you know, if they're getting better, if it's getting worse, is it staying the same? If it heals up nicely or the negative change subsides, the endocannabinoid system adjusts its endocannabinoid um, production, which stops the pain signals being sent up to the brain. Um, so we know that if you increase the activation of both CB1 and um, CB2 receptors, there is a decrease in pain signaling messages. Therefore, you can see that both cannabinoids and endocannabinoids, simply by binding to these receptors, they have the potential to reduce pain signals and therefore reduce um, our perception of the pain because our brain simply isn't receiving as many messages um, about the pain that was being caused in the first place. So um, that's it for this module. We'll move on to the next part um, and I'll look forward to seeing you then. Thanks very much. Bye. Hi, this is Keith Payne at CBD Perform. Um, thank you so much for listening in to today's session. Really do hope that you have found it interesting and informative. If you would like to discover more information about CBD Perform products, um, please visit the website, which is www.cbdperform.co.uk, where you will find more information on the CBD range of oils, um, our CBD range of edibles, our range of cosmetic products, which includes uh, creams, um, lip balms, um, bath bombs, all CBD products that will be very, very useful and help people with either um, supporting the pain management or supporting um, anxiety and stress or supporting improved sleep. You will find lots of really good information on the website. Um, you'll also find our blog there, which is really informative and also really useful information about CBD dosages and where to start. So the website address is www.cbdperform.co.uk. And once again, thank you so much for listening in and we'll look forward to seeing you in our next session. So take care for now and um, all the best. Thank you. Bye.